0: O come, O come, Emmanuel, break our hearts, that you might find room therein to dwell. Amen. What keeps the wild hope of Christmas alive year after year? Frederick Bietner muses. Hmm. Year after year, many of us here Beloved in Christ, in this Christmastide, let it be our care and delight to hear again the message of the angels and in heart and mind to go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. And so begins the annual St. Andrew's Lower School Lessons and Carols. Rather predictably, the children come with their teachers one day and rehearse. And the next day, they come back, and with their parents seated in the pews, they do it all over again. And they set out to do it just like they did the year before and the year before that. The goal, predictable perfection. Now, anyone who has a lower school child knows that that really is not an attainable goal. But that's the goal. It's what we do with Christmas. We try to control it, contain it, to decorate it just so. And we spend hours preparing our homes, our offices, our churches to look glorious. And we use words like, that which has come to pass. We create memories. We seek the perfect picture. I loved Katie's story last Sunday of her friend's Christmas card The two-year-old refused to be in the picture with the five-year-old, so they took them separately and then photoshopped them into the same picture. It's not real, the mother confessed. Oh, but it is real. It is so real that we laughed because we knew it was so familiar. See, real life happens despite the planning of something closer to perfection that we had in mind. And bless our hearts, we keep trying to get control of it and make it more predictable. So about halfway through the lessons and carols, well, maybe less than halfway, I'd only checked my watch once, we got to verse 2 of Angels We Have Heard on How Now, you just sang this. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Well, because they don't know what's coming. I still have nightmares of being in lower school and the choir director yelling at us to enunciate the consonants. Because the next phrase is, What great brightness did you see? What glad tidings did you hear? It is brutal to sing. With 50 squirming bodies on one set of risers, especially when everybody's spitting in everybody else's Christmas bow and you're trying to catch every T and D in tune. And I was so lost in that memory that I almost missed the fact that in this Lessons and Carols, they had changed the words. I didn't even know you could do that, just change the words in a hymnal, but they did and they sang, what glad tidings be which inspire your heavenly song. Just like that, they changed the words, but then again, maybe you can and they sang that and now the shepherds, no longer constrained by verbal gymnastics, could focus on their heavenly song, but not so predictable. I started to pay more attention. I mean, what else might be different? What subtleties might I have missed because I assumed I already knew the story? Maybe I should have paid more attention to John the Baptist telling us to wake up because something new was coming. Now, yes, the acolyte was too small to see the wicks on the candles, but he held his torch with such dignity, and he got them all lit. And the readers were a bit nervous, and and they read too quickly, but the story was so beautifully told. And Joseph yawned through most of it, but he only had to walk Mary in a rolled up towel up to the chancel steps, and then he just got to sit there for the whole rest of the service. But the yawning did not stop his mother from beaming with pride. He was, after all, her child. And that's really the heart of the story. It's about a child, and whose child it is. What child is this? It's his father's child. It's Mary's child. It's not some thing that has come to pass. It's a child, a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes or rolled up in a towel. It's a real, tiny, vulnerable, needy baby. Imagine God choosing to come into the world that way. Vulnerable and needy is not what we would choose. But maybe God decided that kings and prophets had not had the hoped-for effect. And even great might had not saved us from ourselves. So something new, something unpredictable was needed. So rather than fight powerful rulers with powerful kings, rather than have prophets match wits with other God's prophets, why not go right to the heart of the story and come from a place of heart and vulnerability? Babies exist in pure need, in pure present moment, as if God was born to show us what giving a life to another could look like. God comes in a way that is giving himself to earthly parents to protect, to nurture, to sustain life. Surely almighty God does not need us. Yet that's exactly how the story plays out. The real story with utter dependence. What child is this? I mean, no wonder we want the photoshopped version of the story. Give me the glossy print with the flaming angel and the clean white shepherds and the sheep that have never seen a dirty patch of grass. In this world, Mary and Joseph seem sweet and restful and at peace and mostly in control of the situation with Jesus sleeping quietly. In this version, it is predictable and it all works out without any heartache. But that's not real life. And that's why we never get our Christmas to really look just like that. Instead, there is a young, travel-weary couple who hardly knows what's happening to them. And they are surrounded by pungent smells of animals and wet hay and men who haven't seen a shower in weeks. They can't pull together a presentation They can only hold on to this child and pray to God they are doing the right thing. And I think that's exactly what God had in mind. What child is this? God's child. Each and every one of us, and God doesn't want the made-up version. God didn't come for a photo op. God wants the real version, the messy, confused, vulnerable version of us. For the baby in the manger is this fleshy, visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace, of a God who became flesh to show us what it would mean to be a sacrament in the world, how to be grace in this world, however smudged. What keeps the wild hopes of Christmas alive year after year in a world notorious for dashing all hope is the haunting dream that the child that is born this day may yet be born again in us.